welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spiteri, joined by Kevin O'Rourke, Allison Aletha, Gang. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Yeah, doing great. It's good to hear you guys staying staying inside, having uh, playing lots of video games inside. Definitely. That's right, yeah. Yep. Some Animal Crossing. I feel like I'm the only person in Zelda Dungeon that isn't playing Animal Crossing. No, I'm not. I really do. I don't know. It's You're like, not hey, alone. Um, it's, uh, you know, last week we kind of poked fun at it a little bit, like what's the difference between games, but something about it, I don't know, it just, uh, it, it's not doing it for me, so I'm like, I'm feeling a, a major, like, void in my n- Nintendo life right now, because, like, there's no games coming out for the foreseeable future, <laughs> like, and nothing to look forward to that I haven't already played, mm-hmm. so I, I got the Nintendo <laughs> Blues. Um, so to combat that, uh, I have been replaying a bunch of Zelda games. I just replayed Wind Waker. I just replayed Majora's Mask, which of course we're going to talk about in depth. And, uh, I've been, I've been getting down with some Metroid games as well. Uh, Federation Force and, uh, uh, Metroid 2 Remake. Uh, really good stuff. Good stuff. Um, but of course we are here today and not just today in fact but the next three episodes of the champions cast are all going to be about the legend of zelda majora's mask um, april is here and uh, that means that it's 20 years since majora's mask first came out it's hard to believe that it's been so long yeah it's crazy to think like 20 years that's insane feels like not that long ago i'm not gonna say yesterday but not that long ago that i was renting majora's mask from blockbuster and uh also renting this this new expansion pack which i ended up actually having to buy because i was playing like i was playing games like perfect dark and majora's mask and i think donkey kong 64 used it too right yeah uh yeah there was very few games that did donkey kong actually came included oh yeah that with donkey kong because it couldn't run without it um there were some weird instances also where um, there was uh, Perfect Dark added in like higher textures and like a complete like a new maps or something. I forget what it was. It was like new maps or like a new campaign level. I I think that Perfect Dark didn't have the the solo campaign and it only had like a limited multiplayer if you did not have the expansion pack which was kind of weird and like something that you would never see today. But yeah, so we're, the next three episodes here on the Champions cast are going to be all about Majora's Mask to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the release. Um, we're going to be doing in-depth shows about its dungeons, about its side quests, and uh, uh, just diving right in and talking about... Uh, you know everything Majora's Mask. So today we're going to be doing more of a retrospective, talking about some of our personal stories about it, some of our memories about it when it came out, and just kind of talking about the game in general. Um, before we get there, though, I actually I did want to mention I saw this awesome video that has been making its way around the internet this week, and uh, it looks like a game that I absolutely would want to play. Speaking of games that you know, uh, speaking of a Nintendo drought, it's called Paper Zelda. And as the name implies, it is a, uh, a Paper Mario-style Zelda game. And uh, the video is over on YouTube. The channel is 64 bits. It looks really, really cool. Um, we have it over on the on the Zelda Dungeon front page right now. So various artists uh, contributed to this video. Um, it, it's, it looks super cool. There's like 
loft wings you've got paper tingle in there paper ganondorf it's, it's even got some love for the minish cap in there uh if you haven't seen this do yourself a favor and check it out because this looks like a game that i would play oh yeah ditto i'd be i'd be throwing down some paper zelda it's been a long time since i played a paper mario game i don't think i've ever played a paper mario game but now i'm intrigued really? Um, oh yeah, it's the they're fun. The one is awesome, and and actually the GameCube one is also awesome. After that, they kind of uh, they kind of peter off a little. away. Yeah, they they used to be like really great RPGs, and now they're kind of like I think they're like kind of actiony, like RPG like platforming and stuff. Yeah, but man, the old school ones were awesome. I actually, I think I still have that on my uh, on my Wii. I think I bought it for the Wii, the Virtual Console. So, uh, really great game there. Um, and actually, if, if if rumors are to be believed, then we might be seeing a new Paper Mario sooner rather than later, with that whole uh, that whole Mario thirty five year anniversary rumor that's been making their way around the internet. How cool! Oh would that yeah, be? Mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be awesome. Great. Then I could play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the, I think the best thing about that would be like the, so. The rumor is that there's going to be like Mario sixty four, Super Mario Sunshine, and Galaxy one and two. I'm like. I'm jazzed to play Super Mario Sunshine again. It's been a long time since I played that. Yeah, that's that's like OG GameCube. It's like one of the original original games on there. I'm just yeah. now realizing how much I haven't played from the Mario games. So if all those games well, come out, then I'll so I'll get my first opportunity. That'd be really awesome. Yeah, yeah especially if it's like a All Star. Like I think the rumor was Mario All Stars two. So you get oh, like a yeah. combo of games. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, you can go back and play some on the Switch now, like through the, um, through the, how is it called? The virtual console? Is it still called that? No, it's, it's just called the eShop. Okay. Through the eShop games. Like you can play a lot of Mario on Switch. Not enough though. I would love to play Sunshine and I hope that that is, uh, is true. And it makes sense because like, really there's nothing else announced as we've talked about on this show before. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, though. In April 2000 is when it came out. Let's talk about our our first memories of playing Majora's Mask from back in the day. Obviously, this is two years after Ocarina of Time comes out, which is like an absolutely staggering turnaround time from one mainline 3D Zelda to the next. Um, I, I, I remember playing this and renting it because I had, I had finished Ocarina of Time, and that was kind of the, as I spoke about before on the show, that was like the first video game to me that was like, wow, like video games can be like a lot more than just like jumping and hopping in Super Mario. Like this is really great stuff. And Majora's Mask was like very, um, when I first played it, I didn't think it was very accessible actually. I don't know that I that I loved it. I remember renting it and, and being kind of like confused by the three-day system. And I don't think that I immediately finished Majora's Mask until later that year but I do remember playing it and it was kind of like you could tell that um like something something in the tone of the game was was a bit off it wasn't as like as whimsical and as cheery as Ocarina of Time what uh, what are your guys's first memories of Majora's Mask go for it Kevin all right let's dig in here the year is 2001 I didn't play it until the next year. Um, I think also, too, Andy, you put the timing a little bit into perspective by saying you had rent it from Blockbuster. 
Yes. Um, video games for, I mean, me, I was, I was like, how old was I? I was like eight or nine years old. Um, we didn't get video. You didn't buy video games. You know, you rented them or like if you, if you had like your birthday, like, you know, your parents would maybe go buy you a game or you like saved up all your money. That's what it was for Majora's Mask for me. Um, we did not get the game when it came out. So it was a, a little ways down the way. Uh, where we went out and, and actually purchased the game. Um, <laughs> something funny I used to do with this was uh, it came with the expansion pack, and I used to swap the expansion pack every single time I would actually play Majora's Mask, and then if I played another game that didn't need it, I would put the like original pack in. For some reason, that just made sense to an 8-year-old. Um, and I used to keep a little spoon near the N64 that my parents never questioned because you couldn't fish that thing out. You had to, I used a spoon and I take the other end and like like f- get this thing out, pop it out of the N64 and then pop it back in. Um so we permanently had a spoon next to our N64. Majora's Mask is the game that that did that for me. Um I used to not really like this game. It was tough. Um the I had played Ocarina of Time. That was like my intro to the Zelda series. So I was like, I knew what that was about. And it just made sense that there was like another Zelda game that was like super cool and super fun. Um, But I was always nervous of the time limit. I agree. It it always got me like scared. Like I, I, to the point where it was like, I, I had like very irrational fears in, especially in like Nintendo 64 games where it was like, things were a bit more real. You'd have, like, bad dreams about, like, scary things that happened. So, like, you running out of time in the game and the moon crashing into you, like, that was very scary for a nine-year-old, eight-year-old kid. I remember being scared of the sharks in Dire Dire Docks, Super Mario 64. They didn't do anything, but I remember just being, like, irrationally scared about these things. So it was scary. The The ones behind the cage, right? Uh, no, they would swim around in when you fell right into the water. Oh, I remember that there was like a big sea monster behind a cage in the very bottom of Dire Dire Docks, and that thing was... Oh, I'm forgetting it now. I do remember the sharks. I had to pass the controller to my sister to to like get past the sharks <laughs> for me. That was, a, that was a big scary moment. This game kind of like captivated that for me, where you're on this time limit... Um, DK64 had something similar to that too. Another shout out to another expansion pack game. Um, but it was still it was still Zelda. It was still cool, you know. Yeah, I get that. Our for us, so I have a lot of siblings. I have five brothers and a sister, so we had to share video games, and we could only play for like thirty minute turns, and then after everybody had their turn, it was done. So. I think it was Christmas when I was 10, so like 2003, we got the um, the GameCube that came with the collector's edition uh, oh, Zelda. Yeah. So, and it also came with a guide, which was really cool. So my brothers and I, we like tag team the Ocarina of Time, and we use that guide, and we use our turns to progress the game. And then after we finished Ocarina of Time, we played Majora's Mask, and I think... If I remember right, we had a tough time with it, but we really, really liked it. Like, I think we liked it more, playing it together, that is, more than uh, Ocarina of Time. 
Um, we all really liked the side quests. We kind of fought over who did what, like who was going to do the aliens, which to bring up Kevin's point again <laughs> was like one of those things that we all had an irrational fear of. Like we li- literally started shaking because it was kind of hard to do. Um, you know, on the older version of the game, it was kind of hard to keep up and actually save the farm from the aliens. And um, <laughs> none of us really argued about the dungeons, but we definitely argued about who was going to do what side quest, you know. And it was it's just one of those things, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mass, that I'll always remember that I, like, beat these games with my brothers, you know. It wasn't a, it wasn't a solo experience, and I, it's pretty cool. I like that a lot. I like that memory. And the great thing about this game is, like, if you uh, if you want to do a side quest a bunch of different times, you can. So, like, you could have all really done the aliens. That's that's fair, but I don't yeah. think we were that smart back then. <laughs> uh, I, I can't I can't wait to talk about the side quests of Majora's Mask, Me too. which we're we're gonna save. But like like what a like listen to that sentence: the aliens in Majora's Mask. Just like this this really <laughs> encapsulates everything about this game. That's so bizarre but like it works so brilliantly Mm -hmm. um i i can't i can't remember actually beating majora's mask i think i must have rented it again a couple of different times but um, i know that i eventually did as a kid and just remember thinking like this is not what i expected and like when when i played ocarina of time it was such an eye-opening experience to me that when i when i thought of a sequel I was like, well, of course it's going to be just kind of like the same thing, but like new dungeons and maybe a slightly different overworld. But like they really, and and I guess you could argue that it was, but like when I finished the game, I remember thinking like, this is just not what I expected. It's so different. Mm-hmm. It's so like, like it looks the same, but it's different. And I, and I think it does kind of boil down to the three day mechanic where like you're scared of time running out. And I think that that theme is like, very prevalent in Majora's Mask. And, like, as a kid, I didn't know about the the song of double time or inverted time. So, like, you had your time and that was it. Like, you, you yeah. had three days to do a dungeon. And, like, if you couldn't do it, then, like, not only not only was your game over, but, like, the world ended. So it was, like, it, there was a sense of urgency in this game that I don't think is really, like, prevalent in Ocarina of Time. So, like, the same the same game almost but like such a different a drastically different tone and and i always remember thinking that when i was when i was a kid playing this is like um a sense of urgency was behind everything that you did and it's like you kind of had to plan out a little bit like in ocarina of time um you can go and get lost and a majora's mask you got to think ahead and it's like okay what am i going what am i going to achieve in this three-day cycle before i have to go back and do it again and I, I think that it's like, like I said, I don't think that this game is super accessible for new Zelda players. Like I would, I would never recommend anyone play Majora's Mask before Ocarina of Time, but like it was such a good evolution and um, really just like sets, like it really just shows the brilliance of like how this is basically the exact same game as Ocarina of Time, the exact same engine, a lot of the same characters, but like it is its own like it's its own beast. It's its own unique experience. It has a completely different vibe to it, completely different atmosphere, and really like you, like I, I just I always remember thinking like, this is not what I expected. Um, it, at that time, like you had games like 
like Banjo-Tooie, which was basically just an extension of Banjo-Kazooie, or like Perfect Dark, which was basically just like a newer version of Goldeneye, and it's like, that's totally what I thought that Majora's Mask was going to be, and it really, it really wasn't at all. I think it's interesting that having us talk about it now, it's making me realize that I feel like this game is totally different to you when you're a kid than when you're adult. Like, once you played it again when you were older, it was it was like you were playing it for the first time over because you're older and you're understanding more of the that tone you're talking about in the themes of the game because when you're a kid, you don't really think about those things as much. So I think that's actually pretty cool how the game was able to do that. Oh, yeah. It's like when um, you watch, like, like, a movie or, like, a cartoon that was, like, it's aimed at kids. And they can, like, squeak in a few jokes to kind of keep, like, the adults laughing along with mm -hmm. it. I think the Rugrats would do that pretty well. Um, and I think Majora's Mask is kind of like that, too, where you can, like, reflect back on it. And you can, like, when you do the, um, well, I don't want to get too far into side quests here. Um, but th there are some instances with characters where they're, like, you know, oh, man, like, the world is going to end. Like, the moon looks like it's closer the, the sword master on the last day says, like, I don't want to die. And it's like, what? You're going to die? Like, well, no, I'll just reset. You know, like, you kind of have that power in your hands with the ocarina. And, like, Link is the sole guy that knows. Like, mm -hmm. I, could, I could reset. Like, these people have no clue, mm -hmm. but I could reset. It's like a weird Star Trek it's episode. It's kind of messed up if you think about it. <laughs> it is. It's super messed up. What it, it, it is. It's very... Like, it's very heavy. The whole thing is very heavy. Like, you literally, um, you see the residents of Clocktown, like, uh, coming to terms with or, or, you know, struggling to deal with that, like, the moon is going to crash on them. And it's so, like, I don't really want to bring up a whole lot of real world stuff, but, like, it's, it's really uh, timely right now to see, like, some of these characters' mm -hmm. reactions versus, like, some people's real world reactions where it's, like, you have the carpenter who who just like he thinks it's a hoax. He's just like the moon's not gonna fall. There's no way. Keep your head down. Keep working. You have the postman who's just like, um, you know, I I have a duty, but like I want to leave, but I also I can't leave because I'm bound by this this duty which I value above mail all else. The mail never stops. The mail never stops. It never stops. <laughs> just keeps coming. You have like um, Anju and her family who are like fleeing to the ranch as if that is going to save them when the moon crashes down and like it's just like it's very um it's very multi-layered with all of its residents um and i and i think that this game really does like a fantastic job in building up Clocktown as like this multifaceted like city where you have all these distinct people inside of it and like it kind of has the advantage of this because it's like there's only one like there's a couple villages here and there in Majora's Mask, but like really Clocktown is the is the hub. Yeah, right? that's the mm -hmm. hub. So like you had the advantage of like you really only have Clocktown to to worry about in terms of building your characters, but like it just like it really does a really good job of that. And I think it's maybe because each character kind of has like a set schedule that they adhere to or like they're doing real world things. They're not just like mm. waiting around for Link to to walk into their house and, and talk to them. <laughs> I think that that's like a really, really big strength of Clocktown in this game. I like, for my money, Clocktown still feels to me like the best, like, like residence or town or city or whatever you want to call it, in the Zelda series. Full of like, actual characters doing actual things, and it's like Link is, Link is there. Like they're they're not standing around waiting for him. They're they're doing their own thing, 
and it feels like like link is like really like in this thriving city i always thought that that was one of the like absolute strengths of of this game is like how they present Clocktown and its residents yeah especially for someone who's who had played ocarina of time and i think the next logical step after that for people was playing majora's mask and you have like the dystopian termina world where it's like hey i remember like oh that's the cuckoo lady like i got the bottle from her in ocarina of time and it's like whoa like she has this very deep story in this game and that you have like some new characters as well that like enter into it like you have cafe and or cafe cafe I say cafe. Cafe. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna put an edict on the show right here. It's cafe. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> cafe. I'm cool with cafe. Got purple hair. Um, but you have like tons of like new characters mixing with old characters, um, and it's just it's cool. Like Clocktown is an awesome place with tons of interesting characters. Something that I I like seeing in in the Zelda series. And I think Majora's Mask is one of the first games that kind of took that and took like patterns of characters like i could think of games like uh like fallout 3 or like uh, maybe some of like the bethesda games where you have people that kind of march around and do like their daily routines like the elder scrolls games where they just sort of like march around and you know they they go out they they wander to this town they talk with people they go shopping it feels real 100 yeah i agree yeah it I, you know, um, Breath of the Wild kind of does this too, but I feel like, I feel like Majora's Mask does it better, where the world kind of goes on, whether Link is doing something in it or not. And I think that's hmm. that's pretty cool. That's different than yeah, it's than like how condensed. Um, Ocarina of Time felt. Yeah, yeah like I, they're I they're waiting for point. the hero. And and basically that's it. Like people in Ocarina of Time, um, are are like reacting to you like you come in and they're reacting to you whereas in majora's mask you're reacting to the people and what they're doing so it, it's it kind of took that that such a simple concept but flipped it to really make it work for Clocktown um and it's a residence i actually like and you mentioned anju as well one thing that i think that this game does like exceptionally well again going back to it using the same engine same character models uh as ocarina of time and Ocarina of Time is such an iconic game. Like, it's my favorite game of all time. I think it's the best video game of all time. But the thing that Majora's Mask is able to do so successfully is, like, take... Kind of like you said, like, when you see when you see a model of, like, the Running Man, for example, from Ocarina of Time. Like, I call mm. him the Postman in Ocarina of Time because I think of the Postman from Majora's Mask. Mm -hmm. Or, like, yeah. when you see the Cuckoo Lady, you're like, oh, it's Anju. Even if you're playing Ocarina of Time... Like yep. it really established these characters in such a such a strong way where it's like they like they're now the characters in Majora's Mask, even though they came first in Ocarina of Time, if that makes sense. So I think that's another like really good achievement of this game. And like one of the things that it does is like well um on top of that is it doesn't use like like the important side characters from Ocarina of Time that transferred over aren't necessarily the important side characters in Majora's Mask, um, with maybe Malin being the exception, because Malin's pretty important in Ocarina of Time, and Romani is pretty important in uh, yeah. Majora's Mask. But like, and Kremia, too, yeah. Yeah. So like, like you get both. Rudo, for example, from Ocarina of Time, as a, a 
you know pretty big role where in in Majora's Mask Lulu like her basically her counterpart is more of like a subdued kind of like background role so like they don't they don't present you with like two strong characters to kind of fight off like the Cuckoo Lady who didn't even have a name I don't think is now Angie yeah. or like the she Running was just Man Cuckoo Lady like, yeah exactly like they gave these characters names and stuff like that so you do have <laughs> like a lot of the same characters but they they took like lesser characters from Ocarina of Time and like expanded them almost so it's it's really cool how they do that yeah there's a lot of weird things too where like characters sort of get like displaced where like you have mm-hmm. Talon who is Romani's father in uh, Ocarina of Time but then in um in Majora's Mask like he's running the bar he's Mr. Barten like come on that's just great that is you have great. like the the circus leader uh, with the Gorman brothers like and it's Ingo it's cool it's it's like a you know they they just picked those characters out they had like a cast of characters and they just sort of like rewrote what they were doing that week mm-hmm. do you think you you just brought that up and it made me think do, are they even related in this game at all talon and uh and Kremia? yeah uh, I'm um, thinking no, because Kremia says that her father passed away, and, yeah. and she inherited the ranch. Wow. that's mm-hmm. interesting. So Mr. Barton is is not related. They don't, you know, they don't. But they sort of are. They don't just take the characters and give them different roles. They like completely take them away from everything that we knew them in Ocarina of Time, and and like rewrite them. It's kind of that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's yeah. weird, right? There's yeah, some like weird fantastic. little things. Like, um, and here's like a deep cut that I just, I can't find another instance to squeak this in, but, um, the ice arrows are big for, uh, the Great Bay Temple, and the ice arrows are also related to the Gerudo, which are also part of that. So you have, like, other characters that kind of have, like, there's some, like, weird little ties, and then there's instances where it's, like, Kremia and Talon, like, don't really interact except that. Or, or I should say, Kremi and Mr. Barton don't interact be- unless, like, you know, you you talk to him and he says, like, oh, there's this big rock blocking, blocking the ranch, you know. Can't get any more Chateau Romanian, but I have some here. Right. It's it's interesting how they're, like, they're almost, like, distanced mm-hmm. and separate from each other. It's pretty cool. Uh, again, just, like, I feel like we're going to keep on coming back to this theme, but, like, not what you expect, I, I think that that's the best thing that this game does because I think if you if you play Majora's Mask after playing Ocarina of Time, and I would be willing to bet that almost, I would say like 90% of people playing this game played Ocarina of Time first. Um, but like, I think you have a certain set of expectations of what to expect. And like, the this game really just does its best to try and circumvent that. Like, Ocarina of Time, you are free to explore. This game, you're not. You have three days before the world ends, so like, you gotta do your stuff. Like, all these characters you think you know, you actually don't. Like they're not they're not who you think that they are. And I think that it's just like it's so clever the way that this game does that. Um I did actually I I wanted to talk about and I kind of skipped over this, but like the intro of this game I think is one of the strongest intros in Zelda. It might be it might be the strongest. I don't know. Like there's something about Link, the like the visual of Link in the woods, and it's like you don't recognize it, he's just lost, and that like that mysterious music playing in the background, I love that intro and that particular <laughs> piece of music. I think that it just, like, really sets the tone and kind of, like, I don't know. For me, it's almost hard to put into words, but it's, like, 
it really it really kind of takes like like the the mystery of like the what's going on with the moon who is Majora and, and whatever and like kind of puts it into puts it into this opening shot i like i i love this opening scene like the the piece of music that plays i think it's one of the best in the series i agree with that i and it's like it it draws you in instantly because you get that little story section at the beginning where it's talking about how he's searching for his friend you know that helped him on his last adventure and you know it's navi and and then it like it gives you that dark mysterious forest and that music like you're talking about and it's just like ooh like strap in this is going to be good so i totally agree with that 100% and then someone runs in and just storms into you barrels you over like um like rob oh, gronkowski sure. tackling you down <laughs> <laughs> link link pulls a jinder mahal and falls down on the ground and gets his his loot stolen <laughs> But you start the game off and you have like, it's not like Ocarina of Time where you kind of have that intro area, like you have the the forest Mm -hmm. to kind of like learn how to play the game and learn how to experience like 3D um, and that sort of like adventure and and what the game is trying to tell you. In Majora's Mask, like you get tackled, you get turned into a Deku scrub, some guy steals your horse and your Ocarina and you're just this little bush guy running around trying to figure out like what you have to do and it doesn't do what ocarina does where it's like hey you can open doors or hey you can target with this like hey you can do that and it just kind of drops you in the game and it's like here you go i suppose that's another reason yep. why you, we, we wouldn't suggest that this be a first game for anybody but it definitely does sequels right in my opinion by doing that because nintendo must know like everybody who's about to play this game has more than likely played Ocarina of Time and they're just they're just like boom go go for it yeah that's a great point actually like it it really doesn't give you a kind of tutorial stage because like I guess like maybe like it it kind of shows you how to use the Deku flowers but like also like not really like you just kind of (laughs) go just pop in and it's Um, it does it well you're you're kind of stuck in that room unless you figure out how to use the Deku flower yeah, pretty much. And you know what? Actually, here's a here's another deep cut as well. Actually, I have two deep cuts. When I was a kid, speaking of what Allison said, when uh, when Link is looking for his friend, so I was like, I was like emotionally devastated in Ocarina of Time that uh, Link and Saria couldn't or Saria couldn't be together. And so I was like, I was like, well, he must be searching for her in this game. So <sighs> like for for a long time, I was just like, <sighs> okay, well, that's who he's searching for. Aww. I don't like Navi, whatever. <laughs> but so the second deep cut. And I just kind of like, I put this together not that long ago, maybe like a year or two ago. So like, and I'm kind of jumping around here, but when you get the masks, like you get the Zora, uh, the Zora and the Goron mask, those have like the, the body or like kind of the spirits of deceased Zoras or Gorons inside of it. Right. Mm-hmm. In this opening intro, you see this kind of sad, strange looking piece of wood. And you're just like, this looks like it was a person or something like that, or something to that effect. And later in the Deku Palace, when you meet the the Deku Butler, he's telling you how Link in his Deku form reminds him of his son. So yeah. it's like you actually you're you're embodying this like presumably deceased Deku Butler's son in this Deku mask as well. Which like looking back again is just such a neat little piece of world building. And again, you see that tree at the beginning, and it's like this is kind of sad. Like this this probably used to be something, and it's like it's. It's again. It just kind of sets the tone for the entire game, um, which I again just 
absolutely fantastic. Let's yeah, um, let's touch on the music up. here really quickly, just of the whole game as mm-hmm. well. I do. I'm gonna go back to Clocktown because I think that this is. Uh, there's two themes in the game, and I think that they both kind of convey the the mood and the vibe of Majora's Mask perfectly. And the first is Clocktown, and like it starts mm-hmm. off so jovial and so upbeat and fantastic. It's one of my favorite pieces of music in the series. But like with each day, it gets a little bit more sinister, a little bit more frantic. I mean, and you get the rain like, too. Oh, you get the earth like, shaking beneath you. It's so it's so good how they just like slightly tweak the sound to to let you know that like disaster is closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Like on the last day when you're listening to the Clocktown theme and it's like it's faster, it's more upbeat. Uh, like it's just it's such a great use of music, which I feel like this game. I I don't know that I would say Majora's Mask has like absolutely incredible music, but. I think that the two big themes that it has, it uses to such spectacular effect. And I think Clocktown is like the, the shining example of that. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, it like... I think there's something a little underrated. Oh, for sure. Um, sorry to cut you out, Allison. Yeah. Um, just something underrated about the, um, the different themes of the different areas that you visit that all kind of have like the same motif where you go to, like, the Southern Swamp, and it's got that same, like, eerie music, but it's kind of like, it has, like, that swamp overlay, like, mysterious, spooky vibe. And then you go to, like, Snowhead, and it feels completely different in, in like, the mountain range. And you, you go to, like, Great Bay, and it still has that same music, but it kind of, like, draws a little bit more. It's all different in each area, and same thing with Akana. Like, you have the same theme across each area and i think that theme is like pretty awesome now that you brought that up so i had i had a point for andy and now for you kevin so for andy with the clock town i feel like as it changes over the days it's kind of reflecting the mood of the residents because as we talked about earlier in the show the, there are some residents who are like freaking out and panicking because they realize that the moon is falling but there are also some residents that are like no this is fine nothing's really happening and so the upbeat kind of frantic sound of the clock town normal song is probably those people that are like trying that are like kind of in denial about it ending but then the like doomsday sound in the background is kind of the people that are panicking and realizing this is real and then i on i've been playing this game the last two days and on friday when i did um uh, the mountain area. I didn't exactly hear anything that was going on because I was talking to a bunch of you guys. But yesterday, when I went back to uh, um, defeat the boss again, I was like, "Oh my god!" I was not hearing this music before because it is so creepy. It's like got all these yeah. like, like really creepy, ghostly sounds behind the music, and it's like, it's really intense. I didn't. I don't think I've ever realized how intense it was before. And now I really want to go back to all the areas and listen, re- like listen to them again. <laughs> yeah, definitely hang by the Great Bay Coast. I think that's my favorite theme. It's pretty, it's pretty spooky. Mm-hmm. There's like kind of an underlying tension in in all the music. Mm-hmm. I feel like in this game, and like it's like Kevin said, like it's almost across the board in every song, except for the song of healing, which is obviously the game's other big, like like theme that it has. And they don't 
like they don't use it too 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 often i don't think it's totally like overused but like when it is used it is um it's really powerful i think it's one of the better pieces of music in the zelda series actually and like the scenes where like you're rescuing pamela's father or you're mm-hmm. you're putting uh macau to peace or uh you, like, just, just yeah exactly scenes like that and it's like it's such um it's such a it's such a nice kind of theme and it, it again it's such a contrast to the tension that this game purposely builds around uh its world that i think that it really helps the song of healing kind of stand apart um sometimes i just actually creep into the uh the room that the happy mask salesman is in and just like just like listen to the song of healing Mm -hmm. it's a it's a great theme yeah there's some other moments like that too in the game like with the um where you have those cutscenes that kind of grip at you like you have the uh the new wave bossa nova that you play with Lulu to get her, you know, like, you, you kind of, like, put her at ease as well, too. And you have the uh, the Goron's lullaby, which you play with uh, the Goron baby. And he kind of knows, like, okay, everything's okay, and he just, like, falls asleep. But you have those scenes um, where you're, like, also putting the people to rest, and um, it's, it's cool. Like, the cutscenes are pretty awesome. You're literally, like, easing a, a weary spirit is like kind of deep for this like and link is yeah. this what like 12 year old kid that's running around with a sword like yeah geez louise yeah you brought up the uh the crying goron i think sam almost threw my 3ds against the wall the other day when i was playing because like she's like <laughs> what the hell is <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean i think that the music in this game is like again i wouldn't say it's it's some of the all-time greatest soundtrack in the zelda series as a whole but i think like you can definitely take certain pieces of the music and like they're so important to the story that they like they stand above a lot of other tracks in the zelda series um let's talk about majora's mask himself actually or like more specifically the design for majora's mask i actually i tried to do a little bit of research into like who designed majora's mask from nintendo and i couldn't really find anything but like just like what an what an iconic look mm-hmm. and like what an iconic design for this mask and like actually the moon too as well is again another one just like such an iconic look um i i think that it's like probably the most like visually iconic thing in the Zelda series i yeah i think yeah. barring the triforce yeah i would agree with that it's definite it's so sinister you just look into those like glowing giant eyes and it's so weird to think that it's not the skull kid that's the evil one there you know what i mean like it's literally mm-hmm. whatever the heck is possessing this mask and it just gives off this aura you're looking at it and it's it's not creepy it's just it's sinister it feels evil yeah it's it's crazy too it's just a mask like it's the sentient mask being i think majora says it well too i'm gonna try to quote it here but i'm not sure how well i'm gonna get it um right before you go up to the moon uh majora like discards uh the skull kid and says uh a puppet that fulfilled its role is mere garbage Mm -hmm. it says something along the lines of that and it's like man this is it's just a mask like we found 24 of these things Mm -hmm. why is this one so scary 
it, uh, yeah, I, you know, and it, when you look at it, it just like visually, it just looks like it's got all the spikes on the side. It's got the spikes on top, which looks kind of creepy. It's got like all the colors should actually like put yourself at ease. But I, I think it is. I think it's the eyes that they did such a good job of. And like, I think that it also helps that you see it on Skull Kid and he has like kind of this weird kind of wrangly looking body to go he with He looks him. like a big like mannequin or like a, like a puppet, a literal puppet. Oh, fair. Like actually, yeah. 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 And that's a good point because when I was finishing this game the other day, um, Sam was looking over my shoulder and like, so was Skull Kid evil? And I was like, well, no, not really. Like, he's mischievous, which I think made him more susceptible to the dark influence of the Majora's Mask, which again, I think is like such a cool kind of thread to weave in. But yeah, just like, I can't think of a better way to put it other than like just the most visually iconic thing in the series. But like, if you, if you see tattoos on people that are fans of the Zelda series, you probably either see a Triforce or like Majora's Mask. And I think that that's just like, such a triumph for whoever designed the look mm -hmm. of the mask so i couldn't find who it was i tried to research it but if anybody knows out there like what what employee or what department at nintendo put it together tweet at me and let me know because i want to you know i, I want to know for my own self and, and give him a shout out because um, <laughs> funny such mate a, such a cool design oh yeah yeah it's like pretty dope like i just want to touch on the tattoo part that you mentioned my buddy slick nick has got a Majora's Mask tattoo with Navi and the Master Sword like kind of like going through it in the background. So it's like his two favorite games. It's pretty cool. Mm, that is pretty cool. Tons of people seem to have those. Ashley's got a Triforce tattoo. It's, that's two people right there. I've got a Triforce there tattoo. Go. There you go. Three people Allison's. right there. That's a yeah. Triforce of people that's tattoo. It. <laughs> <laughs> what a power. So let, let's talk about the 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 core mechanic of the game itself we've kind of touched upon like the 3d system but let's just touch upon it a little bit more what i just the word that comes to mind when i think of that is daring because it was like yeah it, it would have been easy and perhaps like i don't want to say the right thing to do but like it just it would have been easy and safe to make a sequel to ocarina of time where like you you have even more room to adventure and even more room to explore and i think that people would have really liked that but again this game goes the opposite way doesn't do what you expect and instead it's just like you can't explore like you only have a limited amount of time to to save the world everything that you collect like you don't really collect other than key items like if you thought that you had a lot of rupees like if you if you don't do this properly you actually don't have any um, you're going to have to get new bombs, new arrows, new everything all over again, mm -hmm. over and over. I think that it's like very daring the way that they did this because it, it makes it not super accessible, but like mm -hmm. it, it makes you appreciate it, I think, in hindsight after you're done. And I do know a lot of people that are, are like turned off by the three-day mm -hmm. system and are just like, nope, this isn't for me. And I completely understand that. But like, I think if you can get past that, it, it really does add to the game because it's like, now you have the element of strategy like what do i do in this three days like how do i how do i do this dungeon in the most efficient manner how do i do this uh this couple's mask side quest and time it out properly like it really does the game commits to this three-day system and maximizes it in almost every way that it can mm -hmm. i yeah i definitely think the same daring is daring is like the perfect word and it kind of 
I, I just want to say that I do understand there are a lot of people that don't like it, but it makes me kind of sad in the same way that people who don't want to play Skyward Sword because of the motion controls makes me sad. Because mm-hmm. if you could just get past this one thing, like not, you can't just have every Zelda game be the same. Have it be Ocarina of Time-esque where you just go through, get these dungeons done, beat the bad guy. Like, they're... The, they put these mechanics in for a reason so that it's different and you have to think of it differently and come at it at a different angle and therefore it's a it's a really cool new experience to something we love so much so it's kind of it kind of makes me a little sad that people don't don't want to get past the three-day cycle or don't want to get past the motion controls because they're really good games behind those those mechanics i can't remember can you warp to the boss of a dungeon in the n64 version immediately when you enter the dungeon yeah if you've if you've completed it you That's hop on the okay. uh the little mask right uh like on the floor and it says like hey you you've you beaten me before let's go <laughs> let's rumble <laughs> like that's another thing that uh is just like you know in zelda when you've beat a dungeon you beat a dungeon except for in majora's mask where like you have to go back and like if you don't do something while let's say that like if you don't um if oh, you like don't top do the Goron races after you beat Goat, like you have to go back and you got to beat him again. Mm-hmm. It, it's just yeah, like, you it's change the world. Yeah, and uh, I'm I I really do like appreciate that. I think that you nailed it. Like not every Zelda game can be the same, and I think that this game like really does commit to being different. And if that wasn't enough, they take the the whole mask gimmick as well. Which we it's funny we've been talking for so long. And we actually haven't even talked about masks yet, so <laughs> let's dive into it uh, right now. Um, again, another really great use of an underutilized character in Ocarina of Time. The Happy Mask Salesman is just so creepy and unsettling and disturbing. I think that he is absolutely great in this role. Yeah, he's a spooky dude. I... Um, and it's he's weird. Yeah. It's like, why is he so important right now, you know? I kind of often wonder if he's actually human. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's a pers- a real person. I feel like he's kind of I don't know what the right word is. He is a, a god amongst men. Yeah, I want to I want to say total like god, but like up there, you know. I don't think he's human. Some kind of phantom. Something <laughs> like that. He's a Tom Bombadil. Tom I actually Bombadil. I love that when you're talking to him, he like when you press A to get to the next text, he'll immediately be in a different position. And yes. He's like, <laughs> and he's the that. only one that does that. It's so wild. Yes. It's, it's super awesome. weird. Um, I think I remember a, an interview with someone from the staff, not from the ZD staff, from Nintendo staff, that said that he was actually based off of Shigeru Miyamoto. Mm-hmm. Kind of the guy pulling all the strings. Mm-hmm. They got kind of the same smile. I can yeah. see that. I can see that. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the masks themselves and the mechanic of the masks. This is something that was in Ocarina of Time, but like, it's more of like a minor side quest thing. The masks didn't give you any powers. They were just kind of there as like a collectible and a means to get more rupees or something like that. This game takes that concept and runs with it. Um, there's something I think kind of inherently creepy about masks, but... I was uh, I was thinking to myself, and we'll we'll talk about this before we dive into like the transformation masks. But I was thinking like, what kind of a like what kind of a mechanic do you think 
exists in Breath of the Wild that potentially Breath of the Wild 2 could take and, like, run with in a similar fashion to how Majora's Mask did the whole, like, optional mask thing and, like, made a whole game of it. I, I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, me neither. Maybe, maybe something with, like, the elemental weapons or maybe some of the, uh, like, the equipment that you have, like, if you have, like, a full... S- this, is, this is a thing in some RPGs where you have, like... If you have a complete set of something on, you get this, like, kind of world-altering... Alt- world it's hard to say. World or... I'm having a hard time. World-altering. <laughs> there we go. A mechanic that, that changes based on the stuff that you have instead of just, like, some kind of buff. Like, you have, right. like, the full Sheikah tunic that gives you, um, like, some stealth... Maybe that does something where you can, like, walk on walls or something like that. You have to, like, strategize. Your elemental weapons do, like, something radically different than your average sword, but a little bit of fire damage. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool, actually, because, I mean, there are masks and different outfits and stuff in Breath of the Wild that you could, like, potentially make a whole game about as well. I just, like, I think that a lot of people, myself included, kind of think that Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be like the Majora's Mask to Breath of the Wild's Ocarina of Time, yes. if you will. So it's it's interesting to see, and I'm sure that there, you know, in future episodes when we actually get some information about Breath of the Wild, there's going to be a lot of those comparisons made. So, um, yeah, something something cool I thought about. Let's talk about the actual masks themselves and how we liked controlling um, the different species that Link takes on. Probably the biggest thing that Majora's Mask does to differentiate itself from Ocarina of Time, aside from the three-day cycle, is letting you transform into different species. Um, I let's let's start with the Deku Link. I actually like love playing as Deku Link, and I love kind of like you said earlier how the game like it you start as Deku Link, like it's unsettling, you're uncomfortable, you're in this different body, you're not used to it, it throws you kind of off kilter, and you're this relatively powerless Deku scrub um, and that's how you start the game. I, I thought that that was brilliant and uh, I actually I have to say that like I think that I think that of everything the Deku is probably still my my favorite to play as. That's fair. I I've been realizing with this remake that I feel I, th- I think some people are gonna get mad at me for saying this but I feel like the N64 does the um, the movements of each different race of Link being each different race better. It's more it's smoother. Um, I don't know if it's just because I suck at playing on a 3DS or what, but it's just <laughs> it's it's hard to get used to, and it's really um like with Deku Link for example, when you spin in the N64 version, it's really smooth. It's like rolling in the Wind Waker. You just kind of follow through with it and keep going. Whereas in the 3DS version, I feel like he kind of stops before you can keep going. And so I just yeah, feel I feel like it's smoother in the N64 version. Or the swimming with the Zora is smoother in the N64 version. However, it's still like overall, it's still such a cool concept. And once again, it's something that Nintendo is throwing in to a Zelda game to be different. And I really like that. I, I'd say the Zora is my favorite. I really like swimming as a Zora. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, Allison. I think there's some times in the N64 version where, like, you look back and and you even pop the game on and see like the Deku Link. Um, he also like 
he can hop further on the water mm -hmm. in the N64 version. So if you you have like a bit more momentum, it's hard to like describe it. But if you actually like spin and then spin like into the water, mm -hmm. you will hop further. Whereas in the 3D version, it's like kind of toned down mm -hmm. and a little bit different. Um, I still think he's fun to roll around as, but the Zora, I agree, is like he's a lot of fun. I think that like people complain about the uh, the slow swimming in the 3D version and kind of um, like you have to use magic in order to actually like swim faster and actually like do uh, like the quick swimming and like the dives and stuff with the Zora. I think that's okay. Uh, I'm I'm okay with that mechanic change. The Goron's a little bit different too. Yes, um, I was the Goron is that. always fun to roll around though. I would spend like a lot of time just rolling around Termina fields yes. <laughs> as the Goron. It was like so much Going fun. Like, I used bushes. to. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then they have like there's there's like some jumps and stuff that you can go mm -hmm. off of and like hop over things. It was super cool. Um, I remember doing that a lot on on the 64 and and doing that on 3ds as, as well. Um, I used to, I, you're talking to the guy who used to boot up Ocarina of Time, just ride a Pona around and like, you know, <laughs> not even do anything, just ride the horse around and shoot arrows at trees. Right. Um, I like doing that with the Goron too. And, and that still carries over to 3DS. Oh yeah. I was rolling around uh Terminal field the other day, just, just plowing, uh, choo-choos. <laughs> oh yeah. Those poor guys. Those poor. Happy Tuesday. So in this game. <laughs> yeah. They're so weird looking. Um, I, I think that Goron nasty. would be my, my second favorite mm -hmm. uh, to play mm -hmm. as in this game. Uh, I, I just I love rolling. It's so fun. And it's the it's the better way to get around if we're if we're being frank. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's quicker than a pona. It's quicker than a pona. Um, I do I do love that like you are like this big heavy guy. Like you do you do play in this game uh, for a long time as like either young Link or Deku Link and it's like they're both kids. They're both like, you know, you're, you're kind of used to playing, or at least I was used to playing Link as an adult in Ocarina of Time. So like when you get the Goron mask and then later the Zora mask, it's like, okay, well now like I'm finally like not this tiny little, little pipsqueak and like I can, I can throw around punches that hurt people. So like, I really yeah. loved the Goron for that. Um, they finally let you out of clock town without bugging you. I, I know. Like that jabron at the front is that. like, hey, yo, you can't leave, kid. He's like, oh, you got a sword? All right, cool. If you're the <laughs> Goron, he's just kid like, all right, later. Yeah. yeah. No, Nobody's messing with you if you're a Goron. That's for sure. <laughs> you got a sword? All right, cool. Go fight goat. Jeez. You know, they they totally remind me of Mido now that I think of it. And how that jabron. Oh, they have the same yeah. mechanic, too, yeah. it's They, the they literally have the same pattern, that. too. Ugh. It's like identical to Mido. You guys are such jerks. I don't. I don't know how I never pieced that together in like the twenty years since Majora's Mask has come out. <laughs> but I just, I just did right now. By God, dude um, snaps you... into action to block you. What a jerk! <laughs> he's just sitting there minding his own business. He walk by and he's like, "Whoa, there's a kid!" And he just like strong arms you. Still... It's ridiculous. If I'm remembering right, they just let you go on the third day, don't they? Do they still block you on the third oh, day? Oh, I don't remember. I don't um, think they do. I feel like I'd have to test I, that. I don't think no, I don't think they do because they're just shaking yeah. and looking up at the Yeah, room. they're holding their spears yeah. differently and they're looking up. It is very interesting. Um so you guys mentioned the Zora and how you like the Zora. I, I think that that's my least favorite because uh um, Oh he's cool. Maybe maybe it's just the three D version, but like swimming to me feels a little bit more awkward. 
I don't I don't know. Like I feel like when you're swimming, the the camera really has a hard time kind of keeping up with you if you touch the uh, the little camera nub at all. Like if you do that, you're toast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can if you can leave it be, and if you can like get the camera behind you and you're swimming in a straight line, it's okay. Like I was doing the beaver race the other day, and like my camera oh, that's was just tough. going berserk. Like while I was trying to do this, and I was getting flustered, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like. I was like, dude, just stay behind me and we can win this thing. But like it kept on going left, <laughs> right, up, down. And maybe that's not fair to the Zora mask, but like I feel like um, yeah. I feel like it's my least favorite of the three. Go back and play it on sixty four. It's a lot smoother. and you will you will be like skin and beavers and super <laughs> mad at them like they're well, that, it, it's know, it's hard that. on N sixty four. They're tough. On the sixty four, I seem to remember thinking like when I was a kid, I was like because at that time, swimming in 3D was kind of a, a new thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this feels really good, comparatively speaking, to like uh, Mario 64 or like uh, some Wave other Wave Race 64. It's like swimming done <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember that you could go fast, whereas this game um, in the 3D remake in particular, I feel like there is like you you can press A to start floating, but yes. I, I don't know. Maybe it's something about like... I seem to remember you could just launch yourself before, whereas like this yep. game, you got to press A, yeah. you got to move a little bit, you got to activate the the what is it, what is it? Yeah, the like the magic. Or whatever? It's yeah, like the Zora aura, the Zora. Oh my gosh! Oh for how much? This, <laughs> for how much this game like makes a lot of things easier, like where to aim your ice arrows or some of the other hold hand holding mm-hmm. mechanics that I've noticed so far. It it does really weird things with the masks and how to use the different abilities that they can use, and I feel like it makes it a little more difficult, more buttons to press, and I just think that's kind of a weird decision that they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of give it a pass because it's on the 3DS, and it's something where you have a, a smaller screen, you have a tighter view on everything. I, I understand that. Also, too, like if you hop back into the N64 version of the game and you're like swimming around as the Zora, you will bonk a lot. You'll hit a lot of things. Like, try going through that's what, that's what the makes Pirate it fun. Fortress. Just bonking That's what everything. makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Concussing uh, <laughs> Zora Link. It's, I, I'm, I'm of the, the camp that says that the slow speed for swimming is, is great. Um, it'd be cool if maybe you could toggle that with something. That would have been a nice little quality of life. Uh, improvement which the game seemed to do like Chora's Mask took a lot more uh, liberties with changing things than the Ocarina of Time 3D version of the game um, but but I'm I'm right there with Zora he, he's he's all right in 3D um, I guess we want me might as well talk about the the Fierce Deity Mask as well like it's um it's not really like integral and you don't spend a lot of time as like Omni Link as I've heard him called before <laughs> but um, it is pretty cool. I love the way that the mask looks, obviously. But I like in playing it, I actually found that I don't really love the mask. In in like the context of like, I think that you should be able to to maybe get it sooner because you do fight a lot of the bosses over and over mm-hmm. again. But um, it it would be like it would be cool to like go into like if you're fighting goat for like the fourth time and like you put on the the mask you just cream them in like 2 seconds but when i when i got the mask i like i killed majora like killed him in like 2 oh, seconds oh yeah it's not even so, like, fair 
it's it's not even fair so i i feel like um i feel like i love the idea of it i love kind of when they say like is this mask as as dangerous as majora's mask yeah. but functionally i'm just like you know this makes this makes the the boss that i want to be hard really easy whereas mm. like the the bosses that i've already beaten that i want to be really easy i don't have this mask yet mm-hmm. so i think it's a cool payoff like you look at a game like um ocarina of time where like your collection is getting like the uh, gold sculptures and like all the heart containers and you roll into ganon with full heart containers he's a breeze right you're playing like you can play defense for days whereas i think it's cool that like you have this awesome payoff by getting this really powerful mask that you can go back and fight the bosses and you can have like you know let's say like you never got the gilded sword and you were fighting Majora and you had like just the Kokiri sword and it, it was like a struggle. I think that getting that fierce deity mask and just being like, all right, here we go, and you just slap them around, it feels pretty good, I think. And you, you could fish with them in the 3D version. That just puts it over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's fair to say that it it's kind of frustrating how easy it makes Majora's mask, but you can go back in time and do it again, you know? So <laughs> that's true. I that's true. I can't remember where I read it. I I want to say it was that guide I got with the GameCube and the collector's edition. But just like Andy said, something said that Fierce Deity Mask is like as powerful, if not more powerful, than Majora's Mask, and it's got an evil aura to it as well. So like, if it was in the wrong hands, what if um, you know, what if like Ganondorf got his hands on this thing? I just think that's kind of a cool Fierce concept Ganon. that Link can use it because he's good and true and he's a hero and he's not affected by it. But it it kind of has like the one ring vibes to me, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Good analogy. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like when I was fighting him, I, I was just like kind of disappointed because the fight with Majora is actually awesome. And there's great music and there's great visuals. But like man, I murdered this guy in, like, like one minute. <laughs> and, like, you just shoot your sword beam at him, he's stunned, you go over and you give him a couple, like, slashes, <laughs> and, like, it really is, like, it, it's anticlimactic, or anticlimactic. And I guess, like, you don't have to, to use the mask, which is a great thing, but, like, it, man, after collecting all those masks, like, why wouldn't you mm-hmm. use it at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, okay, there's something to be said with that. Yeah. It's, like, a nice uh, reward. Let's let's get to the to the end here. We're running a little bit long. Um, let's talk about our current thoughts on Majora's Mask. What were like, what you know? We talked about how we viewed it when we were when we were growing up. Um, let's talk about just the game right now. I I just finished this game um, the other day in preparation for this episode. I got everything that there was to get, and it kind of reaffirmed itself as like one of my favorite Zelda games. And uh, I'm going to take a dig at Allison here for a second here because she was convincing me to play Wind Waker HD the other day. <laughs> and uh, so I, I did that. And that kind of reaffirmed itself as not one of my favorite Zelda games. And I think that like Majora's Mask, uh, since I played it immediately after, came out looking even better after playing <laughs> the Wind Waker. That's fair. So, I, you know, I just I, I love the game, the side quests. I can't wait to dive into those. And uh, the dungeons as well are are interesting. Um, there's a lot of good stuff about them, which I can't wait to dive into next week. So um, yeah, it, it just it reaffirmed itself as one of my top tier 
Zelda games. Ko, I know that you have uh, some memories of playing this game at the marathon. You want to share those quick? Yeah, sure. So I started playing this game in the 2013 marathon uh, against Caleb Simpson. I played it on that uh, that oh-so-loved GameCube Collector's Edition, and it just died on me uh, like at the sixth hour into the game. Oh. I got hit by a keese. A fire keese killed me at the stone tower, and the game just lagged out and uh, crashed. So oh. uh, not the best, not the best experience of the more modern uh, Zelda experience, but um, I've played it at the 2016, 2018 marathons, uh, currently in the cards to play it in 2020. Um, and I just, the 3d version is just amazing. Uh, I love it. It's, it, it's got tons of improvements. Um, it took everything I loved about the N64 version and just kind of amped that up. Um, the bosses are redone. Uh, the graphics look amazing. It's, uh, it's just, it's my favorite Zelda game, you know. What more can you say? I um, I I feel like I have always really liked Majora's Mask, but and I I say this a lot. I don't. The dungeons in this game are not my favorite. However, as I've been <laughs> playing them the last couple of days, I kind of been, kind of been feeling a little differently about them. Like I'm, re I realized the first one would fall is actually not that bad. I kind of like that one a lot, actually. Um, I still not so great on the on the. Oh God, what's the Goron one called? Snowhead. Snowhead. Thank you. That one. <laughs> still not big on that one. Great Bay is definitely not yeah. as hard um, in the 3D version as I remember it. However, I am coming up on the Stone Tower Temple, and I remember that one. Just that's actually what stopped me from playing the uh, the remake back five years ago. I I literally stopped when I got to that point, and I haven't played the game since. So I'm there again, and I'm I'm kind of excited, but also kind of like, ugh, I really don't really, I don't want to do this dungeon. <laughs> However, the best one. Aside from that, the rest of the game, the rest of the content, the feeling, the like symbolism in the game, the music, the characters, the side quests. I am super jazzed about the rest of that in the game. And I think I think replaying it now might bump it up in my list of favorite Zelda games. Bump it back up to where it used to be. And so I feel, yeah, I feel like I like it more now from playing it again than just the simple nostalgia of it playing with playing it with my brothers. Okay, so let's... Um, when we did the Ocarina of Time retrospective show for its 20th anniversary, uh, we ended up asking and, and leaving on the note of what is Ocarina of Time's legacy? And I think I said something like the legacy for Ocarina of Time changed Zelda forever. It changed a lot of video games forever. Um, and to me, its legacy was the best video game of all time. So I'm going to ask you guys a similar question. What is the legacy of Majora's Mask as it pertains to Zelda and as it pertains to video games just in general? And if you guys don't have an answer off the top of your head, um, I, I'll go first. But I'm going to put that to you guys to answer. Sure. Oh, I'll hop in here. Um, it's. I feel like it's still one of the the black sheep's of the Zelda series. I think it's like black licorice. Either you love it or you don't. Um, I like black licorice. I like Majora's Mask. Oh my god. I feel like <laughs> black licorice is not the right, <laughs> not the right thing to yeah. connect it to. Yeah. No cilantro. Uh, yeah, I think okay. it's I, I think it's your too. there you go see all right all right so it's like cilantro <laughs> uh, 
Um, some people like it, some people don't. Um, and I think that's okay. And uh, with Majora's Mask, I think it's a different kind of Zelda game. And I think that uh, it's definitely not the one that you recommend first, but I think that it's an incredible game. Um, it's a very valuable addition to the series. It does a lot of things differently. And I think that's really healthy for a series that's running... I mean, well, this game's 20 years old, but Zelda in itself is well over 30 years old. I think that's important to look at a game like Majora's Mask and say, how can we take what's popular and kind of twist that a little bit? That's how we get games like Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Right. I I think I would say the legacy is that this, the Majora's Mask is like no other game. Yes, you have games that give you like certain, you know, certain feelings like, Skyward Sword is probably the most cinematic and it has a lot of really great cutscenes and it really brings you into the story but I feel like Majora's Mask is just so far and above with the tones that it's trying to express that sometimes children they it doesn't it doesn't come across to children but as you're an adult you think of these things you think of death you think of grief you think of like the impending doom of dying and like that's really heavy stuff and I feel like we haven't really had that in a Zelda game since either. So I'm hoping to see that kind of thing in Breath of the Wild 2 again. Because that's just something that Majora's Mask has done and has done it right. And nothing has compared since. I agree. It does such a great job of just the atmosphere of the game is, is unlike any other in the series. Um, so I think that the, the legacy of Majora's Mask is is that it is the greatest one like an example of one of the greatest sequels of all time Mm -hmm. and like you said i would never recommend that anybody play majora's mask before ocarina of time but i think like just in terms of general video games the legacy of majora's mask is that you can make a sequel to a game you can make it quickly you can make it without you know you can use a lot of the same assets that you used but it can be a completely different experience if you are daring enough and committed enough to to stick to your ideas and make it that different experience. I think that Majora's Mask is just like really, again, daring and defied expectations. Um, it would have been so safe to make a sequel to Ocarina of Time that was like the same thing, just different world, more dungeons, uh, different themes. But like Majora's Mask just basically took everything that we knew and turned it upside down which i i just i think it was so incredible of nintendo to give us this game i think that we're going to see the legacy of majora's mask uh, again kind of written in how breath of the wild 2 turns out because i think very much that breath of the wild 2 is going to be the majora's mask to breath of the wild's ocarina of time it's going to be kind of the same use a lot of the same assets a lot of the same stuff but i think it's gonna twist it around and i think that when we finally see what breath of the wild 2 is going to be if it has even a hint of the same kind of daringness or defying expectations that majora's mask had 20 years ago it is going to again stand the test of time and be as celebrated as majora's mask so i think that uh, the legacy the legacy is still being written to this day and uh, you know what, as well, the legacy of Majora's Mask is it gave us the absolute legend, the greatest character in the Zelda <laughs> series. I'm talking about Tingle, of course. Naturally. 
Without Majora's Mask, we would have no Rupee Land, no Uncle Rupee, no Balloon Trip of Love. <laughs> and for that alone, it makes it uh, one of the greatest of all time. 100%. So there you go. That is our retrospective on The Legend of Zelda. Majora's Mask came out 20 years ago. Hard to believe. Uh, we're not done, though, with Majora's Mask. We're going to be back next week diving into the dungeons of the game we're not going to be ranking them necessarily we're just going to be talking about them uh, we're going to do some of the mini dungeons as well and the week after that we're going to be back and talking about all of the different side quests which i feel like are really the heart and soul of majora's mask so a lot of great content coming up about this game if you haven't played it in a while what better time than right now to go and uh, dust out your n64 or burst out the uh, 3ds and uh, give it another whirl um, that's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening. Um, you can check us out on Twitter. I am at Spateri316. Allison is at Allison Aletha. Kevin is at Shabazzle. Uh, tell your Zelda friends all about the Champions cast. If you've got a Zelda fan in your life, tell them where they can get their fix. In the meantime, head over to iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe. Um, that's going to do it for us. Until next week with uh, more Majora's Mask, we will see you then. Oh,